are you ready for God's word? Amen. Um, you know, it's interesting because as I preached this, um, this, ser- uh, this sermon for the last two, two uh, services, people kept coming out and saying, man, this is, you were talking to me. So that's, that's when, you know, the Holy Spirit is involved and he has orchestrated um, this divine appointment. And I've, I've said that many times. I've said that you're not here uh, for any other reason than that God chose for this time to meet with you. And so we are going to be talking about something really, really important. And that is God's, God's reason for the season, Jesus. And so I want to ask you a question as we get started. Is Christmas what you thought it would be? Is Christmas what you thought it would be? And then I want you to consider, you know, the Christmas is, uh, is coming, whether you're ready or not. How many of us are ready? How many of us are ready for Christmas? How many of us could use another week? How many of us could use another two weeks? How many of us are saying, no, I've had enough? And uh, you always know that Christmas is, is here. The Christmas season is here because the, the jingles start coming out and the carols start coming out. And man, they're, they're, I just love Christmas songs. They're always about, it's a wonderful time of the year. You know, see if you can sing along with some of these with me. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Isn't that true? How about this one? Jolly Christmas. It's the best time. It's the best time of the year. It's a wonderful time of the year. It's a holly jolly time of the year. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost sniffing at your nose. There's nothing like Nat King Cole singing to you, right? Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bells swing and Jingle Bells ring. Snowing and blowing a bushel of fun. Now the Jingle Hunt has begun. Or how about this one? Do you recognize it? Do you recognize it? Are you listening? In the land, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. So we can go on. It's a most wonderful time of the year. It's a winter wonderland. The jingle bells are rocking and things are just going. I mean, everything is perfect, or is it? I want to ask you a very honest question. I want you to be very honest with me. Is Christmas shaping up to what you thought it would be? Or is anyone, can anyone just be honest and say, you know what, Pastor, Christmas has been somewhat disappointing this year. Anyone? Is Christmas all that you've expected it? So I see heads shaking no, but just answer. Just put it out there. I think it'll be good for you. Someone said no. 
First service, somebody yelled out, no. <laughs> Second service, few people yelled out, no. Why? Let's talk about that for a second. You know, for some of us, it may be that we just, we're just dealing with too many problems. It's just one problem after another, and life has been hectic. And pastor, I just feel like an avalanche of life is just covering me up. For others, it's just we're so busy. We're so busy and we're so overworked and everywhere we turn, we've got things and obligations and, and, th- and requirements and, and there's just no time to enjoy Christmas or, or, or even sit by a fire roasting uh, um, chestnuts. What is that like? I have no idea. I don't have the time for it. Or how about just the crisis of 2020? It's like 2020 has been a whirlwind. It's changed everything. Christmas is not what it used to be. And I'm just ready for this year to be over with. Some of us have expectations that are not being met, such as, you know, we expect to give the best gift. We expect to give a very thoughtful gift. We had these, you know, we we, we get our, our validation and our significance from giving certain gifts, but The resources aren't there. We can't find them. Things have changed. Or how about receiving the right gift? Or how about we expected to spend time with family and now that's not going to happen because some family rather not travel or rather not get together in a time like like we're, we're dealing with now. They're preoccupied and they're worried and they're maybe even fearful about the pandemic and things have changed. And we can, if we could just get to another place and time. It would be so much better. And so we're dealing with all of these things. And so you're saying, pastor, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most stressful time of the year. Not only is it the most stressful time of the year, but it's definitely not a winter wonderland. It's just plain old winter, you know? And it's like, I just, I don't know what to do. Well, you've come to the right place because I want to remind you that this season should be marked by joy and that Christ is the giver of that joy and he really is the reason for the season. He really is the reason for the season. Now we say that all the time, but yet we have a hard time truly connecting with it. And we'll kind of uncover why. Why do we have a hard time connecting with it? It's almost as if there's a conspiracy against us having joy. And can I say there is, there really is. God says there's two things going on. He came to what? Give us life and abundance and joy. But there's someone else that that, that seeks to what? Steal, kill, and destroy that abundant life of joy. So there are two things happening at one time. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that God says joy is your birthright. It's what he died to give you a new life. A new life of what? Of joy. And joy is something no one can take from you because it comes from outside this world. And it's deposited in our hearts. And it overflows from deep within. From deep within. Happiness, on the other hand, can be given and can be taken away. Because happiness depends on what is happening around you. If what is happening around you is agreeable and good and everything lines up, then you're going to be happy. But what if it's not? Then that happiness just evaporates. It it eludes you. It leaves just as quickly as it comes. 
So what we should be going for here is joy. And today I want to talk to you about joy. And I want to ask you a couple more questions and, and, and ask you to consider why are you so disillusioned by Christmas? And why does disillusionment and discouragement seem to find people so often at this time of the year? Maybe it's because we get so hyped up with expectations on what we think Christmas should be about. And they're, they're often things that, that, that are hard to bring into, in, into being. You know, these expectations are unrealistic and they don't measure up. And then that leads to real disappointment. And so I want to ask you, where, does these ex, where do these expectations come from? And how do we set these expectations? How can we avoid being disappointed and discouraged at Christmas time? How can we avoid it? How can we experience? The question I want to really answer today is how can we experience true joy this Christmas season? Well, I tell you what, guys, the answer is found in the New Testament. And it's specifically found in the example and what the three wise men, we call them the three wise men. I know that's tradition. We talked about that last week. There could have been more than three. But you have the wise men in Matthew chapter 2 give us a good example on how to experience joy in the holiday season. Turn in your Bibles with me and let's consider the lessons that the wise men give us in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. So verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judah, or in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Now in verse 6, you have a direct quote from the prophet Micah. So they're reading out of the prophet Micah, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler, one who will shepherd my people, one who will lead my people. As a shepherd, he's going to rule being kind and caring and considerate. This also coincides with what Isaiah wrote. And so verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared to them. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9. After, my computer switched on me. Here we go. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, what took place that created an overflow of joy? 
I'll tell you what took place. Watch. Where the child was, so the star is indicating they found what they were looking for. What they were looking for was the Messiah. Verse 11 tells us, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And so what created this overjoy, this overflowing of joy, what created it was seeing Jesus, touching Jesus, experiencing Jesus. When you experience Jesus Christ, it creates an overflow of joy in your life. Let me share that with you again. When you touch Jesus, when you experience Jesus, when you connect with Jesus, when Jesus begins to, to touch your life, it will bring an overflow of joy. And so if you're here today and you're lacking joy, it's because you're lacking that connection with Jesus. Jesus brings that joy. You can see it. And it's coupled with worship of him. What is worship? Worship is a place where we come and we say, Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to glorify you. My life is for your benefit, God. You're the one who gave me breath. I give it back to you. And as you do that, you start to connect with the real purpose in which he gives you that breath. And only he can determine that. And so joy overflows. This is what we really want because think about this. An overflowing joy is a, is a joy that's more than enough. More than enough for you and it flows over onto those around you. That means a husband that's overflowing with joy is going to bless his wife. A wife is going to bless her husband and her children. And those around them will also be blessed by the joy that you exude. This is what Jesus said. He said, I've come to give you an abundant, overflowing life. So this is what they connect with. Now watch. On coming into the house, they saw the child. He was with his mother Mary. They bowed down. They worshiped him. Then they opened up their gifts and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So the first thing that we learn from this story is, what do you seek? It really does matter what you seek. What were they seeking? They were seeking a Messiah. They were seeking a king. They were seeking someone special. See, the truth is, this is a principle found throughout the New Testament, in fact, throughout the Bible. The principle of sowing and reaping or seeking and finding. Meaning, if you seek something, you're going to find what you're seeking. If you work for something, you're going to get what you work for. It's sowing and reaping. If you sow bad seeds, you're going to get bad what? fruit. If you sow good seed, you're going to get good fruit. And so Jesus says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. If you ask, I will answer you. If you knock, I'll open the door for you. I'm going to give you because I desire to reveal myself to you. But you can also seek something else. You can seek according to the world. You can seek according to lust. You can seek according to worldly desires. And you're going to reap more and more and more of that. And so during this holiday season, we need to understand what's going on here. Think about this with me for a second. They were seeking the right thing, were they not? Jesus came to earth to teach us how to seek the right thing. And to teach us how to connect with his joy. 
As a matter of fact, he said, I created you. And somehow you've been missing it. The human race has been missing it. So Jesus came in the form of, the, of, of human man like us. He was born just like you and me. And he came and he stood on this earth and he told us the secret. And he said things like this all the time. Read with me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God first. Put it first above all else. Come on, how many Christians do you talk to when you say, hey, what should be your number one priority? They always know the answer. What's the answer? God, how do you order your life? Come on. God, family, church, everything else, right? So everyone knows that, that you're supposed to put God first. But it's easy to say it. It's a different thing to live it, is it not? Come on, have you ever met any Christian that goes, I don't put God first? They're not a Christian. Everybody knows you're supposed to put God first. Here Jesus says, look, put me above all else. That means I'm going to be number one on your list, don't I? Listen to what else he says. And live righteously. And he, who is he? God, will give you everything you need. This is something that all the disciples taught on. This is what the whole New Testament is about. Putting God first. You put God first, everything else falls into place. You'll get everything you need. Watch this. Paul says the exact same thing in Philippians chapter 4. Now I want to draw a correlation for you. I just read from, from Matthew chapter 2, the birth of Jesus, right? The wise men seeking him. Now by Matthew chapter 6... Jesus has actually just started his ministry and he preaches what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount has a number of topics, but this one very important topic is found in chapter 6. I jumped to the end of chapter 6 and I read to you, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added to you as well, or he will provide all of your needs as well. Okay? This is what Jesus said. Paul includes much of what Jesus talks about in chapter 6 of Matthew in his book to the Philippian church, chapter 4. So if you read chapter 4 and you jump down to kind of the end, listen to what Paul says. And my God will meet all of your needs. Now think about it. If you had all your needs met and you didn't have a thing to worry about, would it be easy to have joy? Yeah, absolutely. But, but wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. I, before I get with you on that, what about, there's some things that I want that God hasn't given me. <laughs> Notice what he says and what he does not say. He says, my God will meet all of your needs, not your greeds. Well, my wants aren't greeds. No, remember what your mama used to teach you when you were little. Just because you want it doesn't mean you need it. Or that you'll get it. So what are, what's happening here? What if that want doesn't bring you closer into relationship with Jesus? What if it pushes you further away? Now, would God be a good father to give you that? If it actually harms you? Well, there's other people that have it. And maybe we don't know what they did to get it. 
well, what about they're, they're, they're doing great and they have a great relationship with God? Well, maybe it's because that certain thing that God gave them didn't bring them further away. It brought them closer. So what, what, wait a minute. So what I have to do is find a way to fake it till I make it. No, this is about our heart. God's always concerned with your heart. And we're going to see that as he goes and unfolds this teaching in, in the New Testament. It's about our heart. Joy comes from our heart. And this is why God says over and over, I will provide for all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus came to earth and he said, I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God and seeking the kingdom of heaven. You should seek it like a national treasure. And when you find that national treasure, that means, how many of you remember the movie National Treasure with Nicolas Cage? Seek it with everything you have. I mean, make it your life's passion to seek out my treasure. And when you find that national treasure, give everything you own to get it. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God, this is Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is like the treasure of, of immeasurable worth. That man should do anything he, get, he can to find it. And when he finds it, he should sell everything he has to purchase the field in which it is hidden. And then he would have it. He also said, the kingdom of God is like a, a pearl of great price. You cannot put a price tag on this pearl. It's so valuable. You should sell everything you have to get it. What is he talking about? Listen to me, guys. Listen to me very good. Young people, listen to me. He is talking about joy. He's talking about something that is heavenly, an abundance, a fulfillment, something that crushes depression and, and eradicates anxiety, something that you cannot get unless he gives it to you and no amount of money in the world can buy it for you because it's not of this world. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. It's something beautiful. It's gratitude. It's a mark of relationship with him. It can only be had by touching him, feeling him, talking to him, and experiencing him. And some of you may not have it because you haven't experienced Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And he says you should give everything for that because that's salvation. That's salvation. Some of you are going, oh man, I had no idea I was coming on this Sunday. This is serious. This is like deep down in the heart type of preaching. Yes. Jesus loves you so much. He wants to touch you at the very deepest part of who you are. That's where he wants you to know that he loves you. When you know you're loved by him, man, you feel like, I was going to say a million bucks. You feel like over, out of this world. That's what he's given us. You say, are you sure? Listen to what Paul says. I'm backing up now. Watch. This is verse 19. I'm going to back up in the same chapter to verse 4. So I'm actually preaching from the bottom of the chapter up. Verse 4. Listen to what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness, what? Be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. To the Lord. And the peace of God that is outside of this world, or that transcends human understanding. You know what transcend means? It's a very technical 
theological word, transcend, means it's above and beyond what is experienced in this world. That means it's heavenly. The peace of God, which is heavenly, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, your Lord. I finished it because I didn't include that verse. And so third service always gets extra. You just do. You get extra. And so I gave you extra. It's out of this world, that peace. But guess what it is? It's joy too. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. Can I tell you, we don't talk like that. Let your gentleness be known to all. We don't talk like that. How would we talk? Yo, (laughs) that's awesome. Yo, Jewel, I'm going to go over here. Yo, Jewel, chill out, bro. Chill out. Quit freaking out. Be calm. You know, let me put it in different ways. Chill. Calm down. Relax. Man, kick back. Dude, you're too stressed. How about, how about island way? Tranquilo. Be tranquilo. Tranquilo. You know what tranquilo means? We've done enough mission work. It means stop being so American. That's what it means. Americans want everything what? Yesterday. You know what islanders say? Tranquilo. It means it's not happening today. That's code for it's not happening today. They go, tranquilo. No hay problema. We go to Dominican Republic, they go, tranquilo, no hay problema. You know what no problem means, right? In Spanish, no hay problema. Tranquilo means tranquil, relax. That means, okay, not a problem, but it ain't happening on my time. It's happening like tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> That's what that means. Because we want things done so quick. And, and God is saying, relax, I'm in charge. Come on, can I get an Amen. I'm trying to help you if you let me. We want to make things done on our time schedule. Come on, God. You got to get it going. But when you seek God, you put him in charge of your life, and he gives you joy for your stress. Watch what he says. He says, let your gentleness relax. The Lord is near. That means the Lord is with you. He's coming back for you. Do not be anxious. Instead, give him your anxiety, your worry, your stress, and he'll give you peace and joy. It's a holy exchange. Come on. How many of you want this holy exchange? I want it. It can only be had at the foot of the cross. Watch this. Not only does it matter what you're looking for, because everybody says, I'm looking for love. I'm looking for God. I'm look, God is number one. But notice the, notice the wise men. They were looking for a king. They were looking for the Messiah. But it didn't just matter what they were looking for. Where do you look really matters. What if you're looking for the right thing in all the wrong places? What if I'm looking for love in all the wrong places? Cue music. Come on. Looking for love in all the wrong... Come on, third service. You know the song. You've all seen Urban Cowboy. Looking for love in places. Looking for love in too many faces. He goes on and on telling you different things that you do wrong. No, some of us look for love and possession, position, prestige, popularity. Come on, power. Can we go on? I've already made a list just with the peas. That's all the wrong places. Think about this with me for a second. Looking for God. You say, well, where should I look for God? Hello, in church. Can I give you an even better one than church? His word. It's in the holidays where you get into his word and you start praying. This is where should be 
you say, Lord, I want to reconnect with you. See, and can I tell you, there's two things going on here, guys. Listen to what Jesus said. John 10.10. I have come that you might have life and that you might live it, what? Abundantly, overflowing, full of joy. That's what he means there. That's one way. But the enemy, what? He wants to steal kill and destroy your joy. So if you're feeling like your joy is under attack, you need to run on over to the other side. This is what this whole message is about right now, getting on the right side of things. Because if you're on the wrong side of things, then you have you have been looking at what the what 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 the world wants you to look at and how many of you know the world's going to distract you? especially at Christmas time, because think about the message of Christmas. It's meant to reconnect you, to recalibrate you, to reorient you. It's meant to make you feel amazing. And yet the enemy's like, this is the time I got to keep him from that. And so he's going to use lights and twinkles and stars and cheap tinsel and whatever he can to say, look this way. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to help you see spiritually. Hey, I've got to focus on this first. Now, doesn't the Bible say, Pastor, that God gives us all things for us to enjoy? He does. But you got to keep it in the right context. Watch. Seek him first. And all the things he gives you will be an enjoyment. If you forget to put him first, all the things that you have won't be an enjoyment. They'll be a snare. They'll entangle you. They'll grab you. They'll pull you down and leave you. You'll see it. It's in his word. Where do you look? Listen to what Matthew says. Now I'm backing up. I started in verse 33. Now we're going to verse 19. Do not store up treasure here on earth. Be careful with the world. The world, Jesus said, is under the control of the enemy. You say, oh, pastor, that, that, that's just too far out there. We don't talk in terms of enemy. You can talk however you want. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you have an enemy. You battle against what? Not flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of evil. And the, the head of those is the devil. And he desires to kill your joy. To leave you walking around here like a zombie. When you could be walking around feeling like amazing. And so watch what happens. Do not store up for yourself treasure here on earth where moth eat, eat them and destroy and rust destroys them where thieves break in and steal them. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So watch this. Watch this. There's two things happening, the kingdom of God and the world. You have desires in your heart. Your desires can be pointed in the wrong, I mean, in the right direction, or they can be pointed in the wrong direction. A desire is what you value and what you want. When you value, watch this, the wrong thing, the things that the world tries to entice you with, then you're going to head in that direction and your heart comes with 
what you value. In one version, it says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure is what you find value in. If this is most valuable to you, come on, let me put it in everyday English. Okay, some people said, okay, where should I be looking for God? Where should my values be? Listen, it's probably not going to find him if you're every day in the mall or every day on Amazon or if you're, if you're looking for God and you're valuing an HGTV lifestyle. Some of us get so worked up with these things like there is this new craze, especially ladies, y'all want to make the perfect charcuterie board? Am I saying that right? Charcuterie? Charcuterie? Yeah, I love eating it. I do. I love eating it. But sometimes we get so worried. Oh, it didn't come out right and it's falling apart. It didn't look good and nobody said they liked it. No, it didn't. We have to have so many people over at our house and, and, and we're trying to make it Instagram worthy. Can I tell you that the Instagrammers, they put it on there to make you feel horrible and they do the same thing you do. They argue with their spouses as soon as they put it on Instagram. But they make it look so perfect, don't they? You go, oh, I wish I had that perfect life. I wish I had that. I wish I... I tell you, stop. Listen to what the Bible says. What do you value? Because it's your desire that brings your heart. Point your desires in the right direction. And he even uses the eyes. The eyes help point you. Watch. Your eyes or your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. Watch what he says. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. What are you looking at? Who is it that's telling you what Christmas should be like? I wish I had that. I wish I, oh man, I, why can't I have that? Oh, that's so beautiful. That's just too cute. That's just so awesome. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, look at that awesome mode. Oh man, I wish I had a project like that for Christmas. Always wanted that classic car. Wow, that's beautiful. I just got to get rid of some kids to get it. <laughs> Am I right? And we sit there and we look and watch what he says. Listen to the words of your king, your king, not my words. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness, strife, anxiety, depression, worry, anger, frustration. I'm putting words to the word darkness. How deep that darkness is. Watch what Hebrews says about keeping our eyes in the right place. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. In one version, it says, if you're not careful, you get yourself out over here this world is sticky, it grabs you, it entangles you, it holds you. It holds you. 
So watch, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the reason for the season. How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? I ask him, Lord, I want to connect with you. None of this matters as much as you do, Lord. So I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray to you. God, I want to I touch you. I want to know you. If I could, I'm feeling something I usually feel when I talk to some of my kids. It's just like, listen to me, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Grab my son the other day, you don't understand. Jimmy, I feel like you don't understand, dude. Grab Jesus now. Now, like make him something special to you. Natalie, now. This world wants to distract you. Don't let it. But you said it's not supposed to be amazing. Yes, it's supposed to be amazing, but you won't find amazing over here. You'll find it over here. And you'll find fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are blessings evermore. That means he wants to bless your socks off. He has the very best for you. This is what the world has to offer. It fakes you with fake desires or, or desires saying that, hey, I can fulfill that. That desire turns into a lust and that lust when it is full grown, that's what James says, brings death. What does it mean? It means you'll chase that high and you'll chase that high and you'll chase that high. Pastor, it almost sounds like you're describing a drug addict. Yeah, that's where the enemy lives. This is where he works. If it's up to him, he would have you under the bridge. You go, yeah, but I'll never get that far. Then that's exactly what Jesus says. If you go with me, I'm dropping down to the last verse. I'm reading verse 24, and then I'll come back up and hit the third point. Watch what 24 says. But first, I'm going to read 23. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is full with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. See, the worst part is if you walk out here and you think it's not that bad. What is Jesus saying? It's right there. How deep that darkness is that you actually think it's light. Let me put it to you another way. Guys, this is what Jesus is saying. If you think that's good, you ain't seen nothing. I can give you such a fulfillment and such a happy, joyful, overwhelming feeling that you will truly, truly, truly understand what light is. And it's not the cheap twinkle lights of this world. It's not what Vegas has to It's not what everything else. Stop letting this world tell you what Christmas should be about. Get with Jesus and say, Lord, you brought me to a different type of Christmas. What do you want me to learn? How do you want me to experience you this year? Because number three is, 
Number one is what? What are you looking for? Where are you looking for it? And when you find it, what do you give for it? What do you give for it? Think about the, uh, the, the wise men. They came, they found Jesus. And if you read that passage in, in Matthew chapter 2, the word most often used is worshiped. See, we've come to worship him. They were looking to worship him. They told King Herod, we're going to go worship him. King Herod said, when you find him, come tell me so that I may go worship him. They found him. They worshiped him. They brought him gifts and worshiped him. See, worship, according to King David, says, has to cost you something. It's right up there. If you put the Samuel passage up. He says, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So here's where we connect it all. Jesus said, what you value pulls your heart. And if you value material things, you're always going to give God what's left over. That's what David is saying. My worship has to have sacrifice. I cannot sacrifice to God if I don't sacrifice to give him sacrifice. Did you get that? This is how it works. A king from another country, another territory, was trying to bless David and said, David, I know that you worship your God and that you provide all of these sacrifices. That can get expensive. So I'll tell you what I'll do. Since I want to thank you, I will pay for the sacrifices that you give to your God. David goes, that doesn't work. You want to pay for my tithe? No. I can't worship God if it doesn't cost me something. Now do you see what Jesus is getting to when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also? He's saying, make me your desire. Make me what you value. And when you make me what you value, guess what? You're going to give me your heart in the process. Because where you put your treasure, your heart comes with it. And when I have your heart, then I will fill it with joy. And I will start moving in your life. And I will set what's important for you. And the world will no longer be able to dictate to you that you should have this house and that you should get these gifts and that you should just decorate this way and do that and do this and do that. And all the pressures that so easily entangle you and keep you from looking upon Jesus, the author and creator of your salvation. He's saying, I saved you to be free. Come on, somebody. You want to be free? Come on, somebody. You want to be free? Connect with Jesus this week. Connect with Jesus this week. Someone said, man, Christmas isn't shaping up to be all that I thought it would be. Of course not. It's going to be far better because Jesus is showing up to your party. <laughs> Connect with the Lord. Connect with the Lord. You cannot serve two masters, our Lord said. means you can't go, well, I want this, but I want this too. It's right there. Your loyalty is going to be to one or the other. You're going to love one and despise the other. You're going to love one and despise the other. You cannot serve God 
and be enslaved to materialism. I truly think that's why most people are experiencing so much stress this holiday. Because the world is telling us what Christmas should be about. And really God's just saying, make it about me. Make it about me. And so as we finish, there's a concept I didn't develop very much. Maybe I'll develop it next week. And there is a correlation or connection between joy and thanksgiving. Real gratitude of the soul. It refreshes your soul. It changes your perspective and immediately untangles you from that point and transports you to this point. Gratitude. Real, genuine gratitude. It's connected to joy and it goes hand in hand with humility. When you're humble and say, Lord, I, I don't, I am who I am and I thank God that you loved me. I have the house I have. I have the family I have. And, and there's no more of that covetousness. Of, I wish I had this or if only this, if only that. That doesn't mean that you don't work to better yourself. But it means in the moment you allow yourself to be grateful in the moment. And not always wanting another moment. Because life is made up of the moments that transpire over time. And now watch third service. It's made up of the moments that transpire over time. The problem is you can't live in a past moment and you can't live in a future moment. The only moment you have is the one at this moment. And so live it grateful, humble, and full of joy and peace. Connect with Jesus. I love you, church. As we wrap, as we wrap up. Is there anyone, as we bow our heads, and close our eyes, who would say, Pastor, I needed that. Then I'd like you to thank God and say, God, thank you for your word. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Lord, will you fill me with joy? A joy from on high. Give me a... Give me a fresh perspective, God. Right now, Lord, I give you honor and worship from a grateful soul, a grateful heart. Holy Spirit, would you, would you, do, would you do what only you can do And have me touch my Savior. Have me recalibrate. Have me reorient. Have me, Lord, reconnect with true joy and peace. Especially in this season. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you for joy. Amen. And so,
We partake of communion together. I want to share something very important about communion, and that is that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he took the wine, and he instituted a new covenant, a covenant of what he would do on the cross for us. But he did it on the night they were celebrating Passover. Passover is something they celebrated through the generations, celebrating when God saved them from death. The angel of death swept across Egypt and he saved every family that had the blood of the lamb marking their door, their door frame. So he saved them from death. Jesus comes and on top of that celebration adds this celebration. He says, I don't want you to, to get it mixed up. I didn't just save you from death. I give you life with peace and joy. Now watch. That ceremonial cup that he and his disciples partook of that night was known as the cup of joy. The cup of joy would be drank would be drank from by a groom and his and his bride to be on the day they would be betrothed in front of witnesses and on that day he would say i pledge my eternal love to you and they would drink together and he would say we won't drink again of this cup of joy until i come back to you we'll drink together at that point you can do it in remembrance of me but when we come, when I come back to get you, I'm going to take you to the house I've prepared for you, and we're going to have a week-long celebration. What Jesus came to do is to give us joy. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for saving us. But Lord, thank you for joy and peace. We are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a great week. I'll see you on uh, Christmas Eve. Yes, Christmas Eve.